Welcome back, everybody, to the Real Weirdos Podcast. We hope you're doing okay today in this crazy-ass, stupid-ass world <laughs> full of nonsense. Today is a weird one, actually, Alex. Yeah, it it's, is. Um, it's weird for us. It, it might not look like the weirdest thing ever because these are pretty popular movies, but in terms of the things we like to talk about on this show, mm-hmm. it's definitely weird. We've... I guess we've done Batman, but we haven't done any like traditional superhero movies. Yeah. We're going to talk about Iron Man and then get into Morbius as well. For some fucking reason, we decided <laughs> to add that onto this. Yeah, we just tacked it on because it's been we, you know making the rounds at all the theaters. That's making the rounds. I think it's a good juxtaposition as well when you talk about why a superhero movie works versus why it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get into that, we decided to do this... Because you have never seen a Marvel movie. Yeah. Never from like start to finish. Always caught little glimpses here and there on, on TV. Never was super interested in the whole like the scene of all of them. Because I wasn't really into comics that much when I was a kid. But that isn't necessarily the only argument I have. Because I mean I watched Spider-Man. You know coming from Sam Raimi and everything. I watched the Nolan Batmans and I, I enjoyed both both of those series a lot so it wasn't like I was like totally allergic to superhero movies it was more I feel like all of the sudden they just opened the floodgates at the movie studios and I mean the people were asking for it right but it was like all of this nostalgia bombs just everywhere and they were like we're gonna just pump all of this money and all of these fucking actors into these movies and whether or not they're good we don't care that's what it seemed like and it that's what it seemed like yeah yeah so i think that iron man was like a really good way to start off because it is the first one right it's like the reintroduction of yeah so it is the first one it is um it's interesting it sort of operates in a space that is contradictory to what superhero movies are now especially marvel movies Mm -hmm. in terms of where it came from because Marvel at the time, this was pre-Disney, like pre-Disney purchasing them. Oh, okay. And Marvel was sort of on the ropes financially. Mm-hmm. And they put a lot of what they had left into this production. And it was a sort of like flying by the seat of their pants production, hoping it would work. They only kind of had a script. They had like a, a story storyboards and they were doing the action. And a lot of the dialogue throughout the entire film is improvised, which I don't know how much of that occurs now. I think I think they're a little more free than mm-hmm. you think. Like I think there's a good amount of improv because these movies are generally quite funny mm-hmm. a lot of the time, um, and it feels natural. But you know, it, it it wasn't taking over the world. You know, it was or it wasn't like in the in the position of having taken over the world as these Marvel movies are now. Yeah, it was almost like a is like a hundred fifty million dollar student film that they just hoped would go somewhere, and fucking you know Robert Downey Jr. made it work essentially. Yeah, I was gonna bring that up too. You know, because for me, um, he definitely was someone who was like very notorious for having a very mercurial and like troubled career in Hollywood. Um, not in Hollywood, excuse me, just personally, you know, yeah, massive, massive drug problems. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, his career in Hollywood has always been pretty stellar. He's always been a pretty like well-respected actor and someone who I think takes the craft very seriously, but like most young actors, you know, drugs take over everything. So then, when he came back into this role, or when he came into the role, and I heard he was going to be Iron Man, it like coincided with his kind of renaissance into the film world. Now, I'm sure that that's argu- arguable. There's like films here and there that he probably was starting to come up in. But for me, it felt like this is him breaking onto the scene. And I asked you this a few weeks ago when we started yeah. the film, and you kind of alluded it to it just now. What, like, what made this film? Like, what made it work so well? Was it Iron Man and, you know, Paramount and Marvel just getting together and being like, hey, 
we're going to gamble on this. Or do you think that like Robert Downey Jr. is the one who really has a lot of the the credit for bringing back this universe? I think it, I think it was a, a an interesting audacious sort of project for Marvel. I mean, this was I mean, X-Men sort of opened the gates for superhero movies, but there weren't a lot of like big ones after that. There were a lot of junk ones, mm-hmm. you know, besides Spider-Man and Batman. There was like Daredevil with Affleck oh, and God. Catwoman with Holly Halle Berry. Yeah. And all this like junk and it was junk. And I don't I don't know. It's it's an interesting question and we may not be able to answer it, but I think I think Downey is a huge part of it. Yeah. He has to be like <clears throat> it it is it is the Downey movie. It's the downiest movie. Yeah. Um even down to the last line of the film was improvised, which seems crazy where he says he does the the Downey thing, you know, the Tony Stark thing where he says I am Iron Man, mm-hmm. you know, at that press conference. That was improvised. I don't know what the hell the original ending was, but it feels like it couldn't have been done any other way. Dude, I think that, I mean, I found that little tidbit in my research as well. The fact that, like, pre-production was so focused on story and action shots that they told the actors, like, hey, you guys can come up with almost, like, 90% of your dialogue. I think, yeah, I think it could have been good with another actor, but I think Downey just skyrocketed it. I was going to say, like, charisma. he doesn't necessarily do anything to, none of the actors that are cast in the roles of the actual superheroes when they're wearing the masks and shit, like, whatever, everyone can do that. It's when they're playing their alter egos, right? And Tony Stark is, like, iconic now. I mean, Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark is iconic. Before, no one gave a fuck who Tony Stark was. I'm sorry, but, like, Bruce Wayne, Peter Parker were the big alter egos. You know, maybe the Hulk one. I forget his name. But it's like... You're right. It's like Tony Stark just all of a sudden became this character. Men around America and around the globe started to emulate and mimic his mannerisms and just his like lifestyle goals. It's insane. Like <laughs> he created a, a cultural icon as an alter ego for a superhero. So what did you think of Iron Man? Okay. Cause you'd never, it's, it's interesting that you never even saw, even though you're a big Downey fan, right? Yeah. So like having now finally popped your Marvel cherry, <laughs> I should also say it, like sort of the impetus for this is that, We've talked about Marvel movies sort of laterally a lot of the time just yeah. because it's impossible to avoid them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've ended up being more of a defender of them than I would have anticipated yeah. on this podcast because I do like these movies generally. I think they're usually pretty well done. They're fun. They have good characters. They're just solid movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm by no means like a fanboy. I don't usually see these movies in theaters. Yeah. I don't, I don't care that much, but like I, I've become sort of their, their ages on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, I rejected, I rejected the, the culture wholesale, I think, which led to me rejecting the art, which is never a good thing to do. Right. I mean, I did the same thing with Stephen King for a really long time with his books, but yeah, I mean, it's always that thing where you meet the fanboys or you meet the fangirls or something like that. The people whose whole personality are just, you know, centered around the movie that they just saw. And it's like the constant notifications that I would get on my phone or like the constant like badgering of like, who do you think is going to play this person? Or did you hear that this person's going to play this person? And I was yeah. like, or the entire cottage industry. Yeah. Of like speculation on YouTube. Yeah. Where it's like, let's look at all the details, figure out. And you're like, and it's all in capital letters. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So that's not our show. Yeah. We don't fucking do that. <laughs> We're not interested in that. That's not us. I just think that these are good movies. Yeah. I just swim through all of that bias, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is. It does have its own, like, we can talk about the effect that it has on the, like, the film industry at some point here, but, but for now, I guess we'll just still focus on just the Iron Man. I want, I, I mean, I'm I curious it. about your experience, you know? Dude, I loved it. it you you're loved right it. about it being like, it's fun. It's the perfect pace. I feel like it pushes the limits of superhero silliness just enough, which is okay. Like, I, like, Yes, it was believable to me that Tony Stark and his friend Yinsen, you know, built this thing like to kind of escape. Like my imagination was able to like grasp on to that, you know, 
Um, there's some other things in the movie that we're going to talk about later in Morbius that I'm just like, even with someone who's a crazy of an imagination that I have, I just couldn't get on board. So I think it rides this line of like a fun adventure. Like, I, I don't know. It almost felt like <laughs> it's like Indiana Jones. Yeah. That's what know? I was about to say. Like it felt like a, really? <laughs> a legitimized superhero version of Indiana Jones. Right. Um, I didn't necessarily really buy into like the romance part, but that was more of my just issues with Gwyneth Paltrow. I love, <laughs> right. I loved Jeff Bridges' character though. Mm. So yeah, I mean, you did you did get burned when you bought all those Goop products. I know, I did actually. I still yeah. have some. If anyone wants any discounts that that are listening, just enter code Egg into the Real Weirdos website. Yeah, we'll send you some discount Goop. Yeah, um, but yeah, no. I had a thought. I've seen this movie a fucking million times since 2008, you know. Um, now, is it's, it the best It's a one? weird... Uh, the best Iron Man? Yeah, that's or, what I meant. Sorry. See, that's a hard question. There's three of them. The second one has more problems than this one. The third one's really good. Okay. Um, But it's also, like, it's hard to differentiate an Iron Man movie when like all the Avengers movies are also Iron Man movies. Yeah. There's some of the Captain America movies are basically Avengers movies. Mm -hmm. So it has Iron Man and like Tony Stark is in a lot of the movies and he's the main draw. Like these other characters are pretty good. Yeah. But nobody has the charisma and the like draw for your eye that Tony Stark does. Oh, I know. And it's inextricable from um, Downey, you know? You couldn't have any other actor do it now. No, I know. And I think that, like, it's, like, the perfect example of doing the dice roll and just hitting it perfectly, right? Like, for all the D&D nerds out there, like, they rolled a nat 20 on this. Like, fucking, let's just try it. Let's just see if, like, this is going to, you know, revive. It's not even necessarily to, like, revive the studio, but they see the potential in something like superheroes, right? And the the wide universe that you can draw from. And yeah. they're like, please let us be the ones to make this work. Please. Because once someone else gets it. Oh, like, they broke the game. Oh, dude. Like, <laughs> holy shit, man. They broke the world. They changed the game. Yeah. And on the topic of like it being an Indiana Jones-style adventure, this time I, I almost looked at it as like a really high-budget B-movie. Okay. Like it has that sort of aesthetic to it where it's like it's it's it is popcorny and like kind of junky. Oh in yeah, a way. yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, I like it has that, this though. really strange tone where yeah, but it takes itself seriously enough while having fun with their material. And that's a point about Marvel as well where a lot of those DC movies have failed horribly. Mm-hmm. Is having a consistent tone that's like lighthearted it knows how seriously to take itself, but doesn't sort of go overboard usually. Yeah. Unless it's like, uh, unless unless that's sort of the the point, which is like Guardians of the Galaxy kind of thing. Well, I was gonna say, you know, like Nolan and Raimi's series of Spider-Man and Batman, um, they kind of like they almost suffocated you with seriousness and like um, not not Raimi's man those movies are corny as hell um sorry not not a uh, Sam Raimi I was talking about Christopher Nolan and um fucking not Spider-Man who am I think Wolverine X-Men sorry oh okay I was okay. like th- those movies are just like they're loaded with they're front loaded with this really heavy serious tone but I always liked hmm. superhero movies like excuse me now Spider-Man Sam Raimi Spider-Man and then <laughs> right. this one that have this like almost jovial like attitude. It doesn't like take itself so seriously, except in the situations that it really like needs to. And I feel like it was refreshing because like I was get everyone. I mean, I'm still getting old with it of like the super serious dark superhero that takes themselves so yeah, seriously. We just did that new Batman exactly. movie for fuck's sake. And I get that, right? Like I get how dark it is and everything, but it was cool to see Robert Downey Jr. especially like inject the film with this kind of like jubilance or this like activity that made it, <laughs> I feel like setting it in California too, honestly, I was going to bring that up, helped that immensely. You're not in this dark Gotham-y like rainy city or anything like that. And I loved that it was like sunshine and like it just looked different tonally than other superhero movies as well. So, yeah, man. Yeah, it wasn't dark. It wasn't miserable. It wasn't 
Man of Steel. Um, yeah. You have you have really great characterization where he's kind of an asshole at the beginning, but you still like him because he just has that natural charisma. Yeah. And you have Robert Downey Jr. apparently ad libbing these really fucking funny lines, yeah. <laughs> which just which just bolsters my idea that you know Tony Stark is basically just. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, right. Like they're I know. pretty inseparable. I know. It's just his, that's his personality. This is not this is not a hot take, by the way. No, not y'all, at all. Y'all know this out there. I was watching <laughs> Scanner Darkly, and I was like, hmm. <laughs> or I was watching Iron Man, and I was like, this is like fucking. This he's like the same character. He's just rich now and legitimate. I, I know, like, <laughs> right? A little bit less like twacked out, manic, but yeah, <laughs> a little bit less manic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, and and I think I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And it's it's weird because I don't want to like I don't know. It feels weird to be like hawking Marvel movies to you or to anybody because there's so there's so much going on in cinema that's not superhero movies. But it's I don't know. It felt like we just had to do this. Yeah, and I also, we had to break your cherry. Yeah, I know, right? It was like for me, I think that after all the like riffraff and ribble rabble is settled you know when people are like no this is the greatest movie ever and i'm like no this movie fucking sucks after all that dust is settled and i can kind of just go back to these films like 14 ish 15 year ish years later i can like actually yeah. watch them and critically analyze them and give them a chance right because i have to give them a chance before i i rag on them i'm sure if we continue this Marvel journey, I'm going to crash into a few obstacles here and there and be like, I can't do this movie because it sucks. <laughs> but this one was like perfect popcorn, like sit down Friday night movie. Like I just wanted yeah, something like exactly. that. And I needed it. Exactly. That's what they are. That's what they are. Pretty much. They get, they get a little more serious or a little more silly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sometimes they work better than others. Uh, but generally, like if I'm going to watch all of them, like, if I'm going to go through the whole storyline, I'll watch all of them. There's not any I really skip. Um, that being said, I haven't watched any since Endgame. I, I think it kind of became over for me once Once it, it, it felt like the whole arc was concluded. I haven't seen any of the new ones. Have I'm sure I will. Like the spider, are the Spider-Man ones considered the continuations or the new ones? Yeah, yeah. There's a whole bunch, man. Okay. It, it keeps going. There's multiple a year. The, the Spider-Mans, yeah. Oh, yeah. Doctor Strange, it. too. Fuck. I See, that's another thing. The multiverse thing is hard to keep up with. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what's going on at this point. Like I said, the last one I watched was Endgame, which was 2018 or 19. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it's. I don't know. I don't know if we will continue this journey. We'll find out. Yeah. It's um, I I kind of want to. I mean, I, I didn't think it'd be fun, this, right? Like, but but at the same time, it's like there's so much other stuff to talk about. Maybe we just do it every once in a while. Just sprinkle it in there. <laughs> or we do like three at a time. Something like that. I don't know. Well, we'll talk about that ourselves. But but so did you find any flaws in the movie like that are worth noting? I mean, not, not necessarily. Um, I'm trying to think. I didn't really like Terrence Howard's character that much um he gets replaced by uh don Cheadle. that's what i was figuring that's what i was going forward right because i've seen more charisma in it and i know that terrence howard has his own issues and like he's kind of off the deep end i don't know if you've gone into like that no i have no idea terrence howard has this belief that he calls i think it's called howardology or something what dude it's like a he thinks he's like is this jared leto we're talking about (laughs) what the fuck they should be he should have been in morbius right that would have just like created a black hole with all of the ego in that studio oh my god but no like he has this belief that he has a different way of looking at math and he thinks the way that math has been taught to us over these millennia is just wrong so I'll let you whenever math. I, yeah, after the podcast, okay. Go and do it. Fucking yeah, let's let's <laughs> put that aside. That's some nonsense. But um, I'm trying to think. You know, I do generally like John Favreau as a director. Um, there are some films he's made that I like. Think he's just like phoning it in, and it's like give me an Oscar, and I don't I don't like that. But yeah. this one, I thought was like. I thought it was really it's cool. It's pretty perfect. It right? showed that it wasn't he wasn't like pessimistic about it. It wasn't cynical like a cash grab. Like you said, they weren't in a position where they could do something like that, right? So when they hired him and he came on board, it it showed like 
that he actually had a passion for the material and that he liked it and things like that. Yeah, it wasn't designed like from the ground up in a boardroom where every line of dialogue yeah. is like looked at by a team of lawyers and like diversity specialists. <laughs> yeah. Being like, we have to have an Asian in this scene now I because know. you're Disney, essentially. It's like it is it is like a hundred fifty million dollar student film where they improvise dialogue. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, one of my biggest problems with it is just like the fact that he like the the big fight at the end is oh he has to fight a guy in a bigger Iron Man yeah. suit. But to your point about it being like a Friday night popcorn kind of thing, yeah, it's it's almost like I don't I don't really analyze the flaws in these movies that deeply, yeah, because they operate in that way. It's like I I I'm just happy to have movies that work like that for me like new movies because a lot of these new movies don't you know mm-hmm. a lot of these sequels and stuff are fucking garbage they're just banking on nostalgia we've talked about this everyone has talked about this everyone knows what we're talking about yeah jurassic world fallen kingdom just came out you know yeah everyone's talking about this shit uh, and it's like it's like those movies that you put on when you're 15 and you're like yes like just a fun movie with good characters yeah pretty good script like uh, things make sense they're well structured well acted it's fun like these are those movies of this era yeah um and i'm sure that there are more but not as consistent as this it it only becomes a problem and i think it's only a problem for people because they're so big no. Yeah, and they're so and invested in the material, right? I don't know if it's the investment that people have a problem with. I think people see it as a detriment to real cinema. Oh, oh, you that's know? what you meant. I see what you're saying. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. which, I don't know. I can see the argument, but at the same time, it's like, what do you want right now? Do you want reality to change? Yeah, it, it I know. Just, it is what <laughs> yeah. it is. <laughs> There are still a lot of great movies. Mm-hmm. They're just not coming out in theaters. I personally don't fucking care about that at all because I'm pretty done with theaters. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Which is its own conversation, but. No, I know, yeah. man. But it, I, you're right. Because it's like, I think the, the most apparent thing, the most bothersome thing is the ones that are just like overtly cynical cash grabs, right? Which is the facade has kind of shimmered away in the past decade. Like it's almost gotten to the point now where they're like, oh, we're just going to keep fucking making these movies. Like, I don't know where it's very transparent. Yeah. Cynical. Yeah. So when you start and Marvel movies might be too, at this point, I I know that people have a lot of problems with a lot of the newer ones. Mm -hmm. Once again, I have not seen those. I'm speaking specifically just through Endgame. Yeah. It's almost become like, it almost feels like a genre now where young directors can go or old directors can go to kind of like stretch their limbs out or like cut their teeth a little bit, right? Like you're a young director, you're coming up, you've made a drama, you've made a few black comedies or something like that. I don't fucking know. And then all of a sudden a producer's like, hey, do you want to try your hand at the superhero game? You know, these things make us a lot of fucking money. They can make you a lot of fucking money. And it's a good way to like, you know, test your range out. And it almost seems like on your resume now, it's like, oh yeah, I got a superhero flick under my belt. And that's it like, is a, weird. it's an important it is weird. thing to have almost in, in, in Hollywood. It's not like they're giving these know. movies to like be directors, you know, these are big time directors. They, they are though. So this is, this is an interesting thing that you brought up here. I like that you brought this up because while you do have people like, Sam Raimi, who just did the newest, um, speaking of Spider-Man, he did the newest Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. You had Kenneth Branagh did the original Thor, which is weird. You had like um, <laughs> the director of the Rocketeer. I can't remember his name at the moment. Did Captain America, but but oh really? Um, on the on the flip side of that, you have what they'll do is like they'll find a, a director who made like who made like an indie drama, mm-hmm. and then just grab them and have them make fucking spider-man it's 200 million dollar movie and i don't really understand it i think it's i think it's because it might be a control thing right where you don't want a director who has an established like style because then they won't be a yes man yeah that's true Um, edgar wright was actually going to make the first ant-man film Oh. But he clashed with the studio when they were like, no, you can't just do what you want, basically. 
Really? Like you have to you have to do what, what we want. Okay. So I think they hire people. They tend to hire people who don't have a style, mm-hmm. because then the because they're just there to get things done. Got they're it. not there to be a director, if you get what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I because know. What because I think uh, I think a lot of these movies now that they're so big and they're they've been bought by Disney, and they have all these worries about, uh, you know, everything. Yeah, like how everything is going to be perceived. It's like a machine now, almost like they just put people into spots. <laughs> yeah, it's both, right? Yeah. You have Sam Raimi as well. I don't know how much creative control he had. Yeah, it's just interesting. I don't really know what to say about it other than that. And the, there's multiple sides to it. It's complicated. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about last week, the process of movie making is crazy. Oh, yeah. It is difficult at this point, though, to sort of think that these movies aren't directed by a boardroom. I know. That is you know? that is true. I mean, I'll probably see that later on when we get more into in depth into this journey. But then at the same time, you have the Guardians movies, which feel like fucking James Gunn movies. So, and they're great. I forgot so it's to bring like, this up, actually. It's weird. While I was talking about the tone of this film, um, it being a little brighter and like more jovial, I think this film actually, like, and it created, it, it brought in this character, that the main character that was like kind of stylistic. He was like polished. He was like really deft and like really charismatic. Um, I feel like being so inexperienced with superhero movies, this might be a stretch, but I'm just going to throw it out there that this film kind of opened the door for films like guardians of the galaxy to come through. Like I could see gun at home watching this movie. Right. And being like, fuck, it can be done. You know, like I I don't have to make all these things all broody and dark and everything like that. So I don't know. It's a cool little like gift, I guess, to the superhero world. And showing us that it doesn't have to be all, like, broken and, like... I mean, he is broken. Tony Stark is broken, but... I don't know. You know what I'm saying. Yeah, well, Guardians is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Got so it. It's, but, um, but, but the tone you're picking up on here is a, a big part of why I like these films. Because they get the tone right. Like I keep saying, they... Has good characters. The... the it knows when to take itself seriously mm-hmm. and when to have fun and it strikes a good balance yeah and that's a it's a perfect movie balance because it's like you're not making titan here you're not making platoon or fucking saving private ryan or something these are movie movies yeah they're movie movie movies <laughs> they're, I, was, I was gonna say they're there to have fun yeah even the science wasn't like too crazy it was perfect movie superhero science right it wasn't, yeah. it was, I don't know. There are some it films. It gets bonkers later, but. Okay. Well, it's like, it's kind of like whatever. <laughs> I mean, the I electromagnetic know. thing in his chest at the beginning, right? I was like, cool. That's fine. Like, I'm totally into that. Again, like I said, the building of the robot with like just the materials that you have, you know, trying to keep it secret and everything. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's good. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. I'm Maybe glad I watched watch it. More. Maybe we will watch more. We'll have to think about how to structure that, but. But so to tack to tack onto this, we decided to watch fucking Morbius as well, um, yeah. which is which feels like the antithesis to this. It does actually because it feels like the most cynical thing ever and the most generic thing ever. Where contrary to Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. elevating the material through his performance and just like natural charisma. You have Jared Leto there, who is just a fucking charisma vacuum. Seriously. He's so unlikable um, Yeah. in reality. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Alex, why, why, did, why did we watch Morbius? Why did we watch Morbius? What's your take on this well, now that we've seen it? The reason that I like felt like I needed to bring it up or talk about it was not only my undying hatred for Jared Leto, but also, is it hatred? I guess it's not really a hatred. I mean, he's great in Dallas Buyers Club. Just as a person, I think he's so fucking weird. Like he has a cult. Apparently, the things I've heard about him trying to get into his like method acting role, I'm like, that isn't method acting, right? Like method acting is like no, it's being a cunt. Exactly, what it's called. <laughs> like yeah, there's a there's a very, it's not even a fine line. The line is pretty thick, and it's easy to step over it. And so, 
I don't know. I've never really liked that aspect about him. But talking about the film culture of superhero movies and like the buzz that is created, people would not stop talking about this movie. On the internet, in real life, memes abound everywhere. Like I, I didn't understand what was going on. <laughs> Even though nobody saw it. <laughs> yeah, and then it comes back around in theaters a second time, and now they're rallying to get it back in theaters a third time. Are they really going to try for number three? Yeah, the internet knows no bounds with its craziness and its like weird, dark humor, right? Okay, so yeah, this movie came out. It was a massive flop, uh, both financially and critically like every nobody likes this movie yeah if you like this movie then i don't i don't know what species you are <laughs> um that? i really don't it is it is it is fucking awful this movie is fucking awful it's the second worst thing we've ever watched on this show oh easy next to next to matrix yeah um but but yeah for jared leto it is interesting right so I only dug into this this last year when you and some other friends were talking about him and I was like, what's the deal with this cult thing? Yeah. I know that he has a band that I do not like, 30 Seconds to Mars. I think that they're kind of just generic and Mm -hmm. easily digestible. But yeah, the whole cult thing, he's weird. And he's weird in a way that doesn't translate unless you're like by unless you're drinking the Kool-Aid, right? Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of actors who have a cult of personality. And this is why it's interesting to talk about Leto in the same sort of conversation as Downey, because he's the anti Downey. Mm-hmm. Um Downey is just fucking likable. He just is. Even yeah. if he's an asshole, it doesn't matter. He just has this natural charisma. Jared Leto, I guess, does to some people, but it's it's very strange to me because it doesn't feel genuine. There's something yeah. very disingenuous about him as a person that just gives me like a weird feeling, like a kind of gross feeling about him. No, I get that. He he does these weird like festivals where he he like owns an island and he has fans of his band come out and you can like win a chance to sleep next to him <laughs> and he dresses like Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I guess he, I guess he, he acknowledges the the sort of cult thing, but like they have T-shirts that say "Yes, it's a cult," so they're kind of like tongue in cheek doing it, but it still feels pretty culty. Mm-hmm. He's really fucking creepy to women. You can see this in a, a many. Just look up Jared Leto being creepy on YouTube, mm-hmm. and you'll just see it. Um, he's very in love with himself, and I don't know. He he can be a good actor. He can also be terrible. Yeah, I will say he he does have quite a bit of, um, I mean, he's a handsome guy. He looks young. He's like a very youthful looking actor. So, Dude, it's crazy that he's like 52. Dude, it's crazy to think how far back you can go and find little bits of Jared Leto, right? Because you see Jared Leto in Joker or as in in Suicide Squad, excuse, excuse me, and you see him in Blade Runner 2049. And you're like, oh, here's this like 30 year old, like kind of creepy actor, dude. And then you can pop in American Psycho and see like 1990s Christian Bale and shit like that. And he's right there and he looks the exact same. And then you can go to 98. The Thin Red Line, man. He's in Thin Red Line. He's in Fight Club for fuck's sake. Like he, <laughs> by the way, one of the best movies. That's his movie best lines. performance because he gets beaten in the face by Edward Norton. One of the best movie lines. Too fucking blonde. <laughs> when he's standing on the porch. <laughs> And that guy's just yeah. like, you can't be here. You're too fucking too blonde. fucking blonde. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's like, it's weird because he's just been around for so long. And I totally get what you mean by the genuine thing, though. Like, even when he's acting, I'm like, you're like, you're so self-aware of how, like, cool this makes yes. you look. Like, yes. that it bleeds into your roles. The only role, like I will say, that I thought he did amazing in was Dallas Buyers Club. Like, he was so good in that movie. Like, there was a scene he was in that, like, got me. Like, I was, like, suffocating almost because it was so intense. But after that, it's just been, like, I don't know, all of this weird shit. And, like, I will say I don't think that Morbius is all of his fault. But casting him was kind of a really bad choice. Plus, he he threw a tantrum about the Joker thing, which I thought was really fucking stupid. Well, you're right about, it almost feels like a stink comes off of him when you're watching him in a movie. You you put it really well a minute ago. 
where it's like you can just feel that he thinks he's so awesome. Yeah. And it, it like overwhelms the performance. It creates like a musk. It's almost like you can smell it and you're like, uh, fuck you. Yeah. Go away. I know. And yeah, I like I don't buy it. I don't I don't buy that you're the second coming of Jesus. I think you're an acceptable actor. You're not an interesting human in, in my book. Um, yeah. But and it and it just comes down to being so in love with yourself. Yeah. And and I don't know. I'm sure other actors are, but it's some it's a, it's a special case with him. And you can see that in Morbius. We can jump into Morbius here. Yeah. Um oh my fucking god, Alex. I know. This movie was interminable. Dude. It was generic. It was soulless. It was no fun at any moment. It was poorly structured. The dialogue was fucking awful mm-hmm. to the point where I cannot believe somebody wrote some of these lines. They had to have been bad improv. It had no character to latch onto. Michael Morbius was a fucking flat line. Uh, but what did you think about it, my friend? Did you like Morbius? No. This movie... <laughs> No, this movie is really, really, really bad. Just bad all around. The dialogue, like, it, if anyone heard me talking about the dialogue in Batman, like, whoever wrote the dialogue in <laughs> Batman compared to this movie is fucking Shakespeare. Like, that movie, like, this movie is just, I don't know, everything, every aspect about it, if we want to go to, like, how big it is to make a film and even more so to make a superhero film, every single aspect of this movie felt like it was chosen by a boardroom, Right. Like, even the editing, the dialogue, the casting, the acting, everything is just so bad. And you know what's funny is that the critics kind of called it, you know, from, like, way off. When the trailer came out, you have one critic, Julia Alexander from The Verge. She just said it looked ridiculous. (laughs) And then there was another person, Matt Goldberg, who felt it looked silly. Now, I think that the goal here, when I was watching the movie... They were trying to like cash in on another like Venom type character, right? Oh my God, the end oh, when dude. he's they try to shoehorn in the Spider-Man yes. is embarrassing. Oh, it's disgusting. It is fucking embarrassing. This whole movie's embarrassing. It is silly. It's it's laughably silly, but at the same time, it takes itself way too seriously. <laughs> um, I have a shitload of notes on this movie. Yeah, comparing it to Iron Man. Let's do it. I mean, that's sort of why we did this. The Iron Morbius episode. Yeah. The the contradiction here. So, the movie science in this film and the way that it pushes my like imaginary boundaries <laughs> like Iron Man did. <laughs> it was so ridiculous, dude. Even in the context of like the superhero film thing, it was like we've talked about this before with jujitsu. The, the film with Nick Cage starring oh, the yeah. stuntman as an actor. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it's like it was written by like a 10-year-old or something, right? Like this was like the storyboarded by like a group of young boys who meet in like the treehouse every week and are just he like... Can't, he can't walk so he puts the vampire bat yeah. DNA <laughs> into the human DNA and then he becomes a vampire. Exactly. Like, and you're like, dude, I'll give a pass to Spider-Man being bitten by a radioactive spider because mm-hmm. that came out in 1932 and was like <laughs> made for children yeah. at the time. It's like, whatever. Every, every one of those Marvel ones are like, someone fell into a vat of scorpion yeah. and now they are the scorpion. <laughs> yeah. It's like, whatever. It was a very different era. I know, right? <laughs> you know? Like, um, but yeah, yeah, no, this is this is lazy on a whole new level. Yeah. In terms of, of screenwriting. I was like happy to watch characters die on screen i was like good get rid of that person i don't want to see him anymore like as characters started to slowly leave and go away i was like oh thank god i just i don't know this movie is way too long i think it's about 50 minutes too long um which would bring my running time to 64 or 54 right. minutes which i think 54 would be perfect minutes, yeah um but yeah man this movie is trash it's 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 almost hard to start picking it apart because when you want to talk about what fails with it, the answer is everything. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but we can go through my notes here, and that'll just uh, yeah. spur up some discussion here. Um, speaking of the dialogue, which is uh, just appallingly generic or 
savagely unfunny. I have some lines written down. I'm hungry. You wouldn't like me when I'm hungry. Um, of course, a play on the Hulk. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry, but oh, but with no charisma God. or anything. The, the characterization of Michael Morbius is problematic. Yes. Because in someone like Tony Stark, right? Even though he's an asshole, like we've said, he has that panache. He has a charisma. And you see throughout the course of the movie that he learns to be heroic and he develops a conscience. Mm-hmm. With Michael Morbius, there's none of that. No. He starts out, you, you, you have to be told by other characters in the expository dialogue that's very poorly written <laughs> that Michael Morbius cares about people. He's a doctor. He's such a cool doctor, in fact, that he turns down the Nobel Prize. I know. Which, fuck you. <laughs> um, but the, the point here is that even if you're making a superhero movie that's about an anti-hero, they still have to do something heroic. Something. Anything. Michael Morbius does nothing for anybody in this film. I guess he, like, I, I don't know. Him and Matt Smith's relationship is, is stupid and bad. Is that Milo? That is Milo. Yeah, no, that's yeah, fucking Doctor stupid. Doctor Who. Stupid. Um, they're set up in one scene as kids with, once again, just laughably generic dialogue to be best buddies forever. I know. Because they have the same blood problem. Right, there's like nothing to latch onto with Michael Morbius. Like, there is nothing. It's he's like hateful. That line that you you spoke of just now, you know, the "you wouldn't like me when I'm hungry" thing. So that's an example right there of a film studio or a director, whoever is in charge, looking at something like Iron Man and seeing the quippy, funny, deaf dialogue between its character actors or its <clears throat> main character and its other character actors, and then being like. That's what we need. We need to replicate yeah. that somehow. And when right. when a studio gets its hands on something, that essence, and tries to replicate that in the most generic and cynical way, this is what you get. You get Michael Morbius saying stupid little lines like, you wouldn't like me when I'm hungry. And Dude, when he breaks the guy's hand <sighs> and he, he says this line, he says, six to eight weeks, ibuprofen. You can just smell Jared Leto's farts. <laughs> And like him loving his own fart. Because he's a doctor, scene. right? Like, <laughs> it's just the way he says it, that line. Yeah. I was like, I hate this character. It doesn't even feel like a character. It just feels like Jared Leto thinking he's cool. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> there's no, there's almost no characterization beyond expository dialogue, people being like, you're a good man, Michael. You wouldn't hurt anybody. I don't believe you'd ever hurt anyone. I know. It's like, they never showed me anything to show that he was like overwhelmingly a good person, right? Like, oh, he he has a surrogate brother who he he names, he gives him a pet name, and they like have a shared blood disease or whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like that's <laughs> that's the story for millions of people all around the world. You find you know misery and company, whatever. Like it. You, I don't, I don't know but why Alex, that makes sense. Alex, he's a doctor. Yeah, okay? I know. Like, and he, he <laughs> has millions of dollars to the point where he can rent cruise ships to do experiments on. I don't know where he gets his resources, by the way. I guess because he's the preeminent rock star scientist of the world. Yeah. Who turns he, down Nobel Prizes. Turning it down and shit and just like, I don't know. I thought that the whole like... The whole um, s- scenes between him and the agents, the FBI agents... Um, or not like oh, the, the scenes cops? between them, but like the way that they unraveled, like the mystery of trying to find out Ugh. what was going on and everything. It was just all so low stakes. This movie was like <laughs> low stakes everything. Like I was never like. Because it doesn't matter. I know there's nothing no, matters. There's no like, nothing matters. The whole, it all hinges upon the nexus that is Michael Morbius. It, it assumes that you care about him and him surviving and you care about like <clears throat> his like juxtaposition with the Matt Smith character yeah. who just becomes a mustache twirling villain uh, at the drop of a hat <laughs> is like, and you're like, this is just so dumb and nothing matters. You don't like the characters. There's no stakes for anything else, I guess like, so they could stop these vampire guys from eating people on the streets. But I don't know. Even whatever. like his superpowers didn't really make sense to me. 
They, he has they just strength. they just wrote things Speed. in. Yeah, he has strength. Reflexes. He can summon bats at the end. He can, like, it's not explained. They're like, okay, we have to put one thing that bats can do. Okay, do the echolocation thing. And I'm like, oh, all right. Like, but I, I didn't know that bats were notorious for being like super speedy, reflexive, and like strong, you know, animals. So like the Spider-Man thing makes perfect sense. Cause Spider-Man can climb now on the side of buildings like a spider can. And he can shoot these like webs from his wrists, right? He doesn't turn into a spider himself. Whereas Morbius is like, <laughs> he like can summon bats. Bats treat him like they're part of all of the same family. And then he has like all of these other things. And I'm like, again, a 10 year old who's like, well, he's a superhero. So he has to be super strong. Well, he also has to be super fast. And it's just yeah. like, oh my God could heal he can heal he's got wolverine powers yeah like it feels like the worst underworld sequel <laughs> you know do you think this film would have done better in the twilight era like the the vampires galore <laughs> well era? maybe speaking of things that are horribly dated and boring there's the action scenes which um <laughs> inexplicably have these like trails coming off of michael morbius i guess because they thought it looked cool but there's no logic to it um, and they also do this speed up, slow down, Zack Snydery 300 thing, mm -hmm. which which has been dated for ten years now. Nobody does that anymore because it looks it looks bad. Um, it it looks old. It looks stupid. And they don't even do it to punctuate like a cool moment of action. It just sort of happens. Um, the action scenes in this movie were so fucking boring. Yes, I. I, I didn't even realize an action scene was happening one time when he's like fighting Matt Smith underground or something mm -hmm. until it was almost all, all over <clears throat> because my brain was just like thinking about laundry. I don't know. <laughs> it was so boring. Dude, and and to compare it again to like to Iron Man, like uh, they did, John Favreau and crew did such a good job of making me care about the characters. You know, like. I actually, in real life, I probably might relate more or engage more with the story about some crazy doctor, like scientist who's like trying to like cure some disease rather than I would some weird weapons manufacturer rich boy, you know? But the way that they've presented them, I would much rather hang out with Tony Stark. I'd much rather engage in a movie and cinematic world where I get to deal with those characters and that whole world than anyone from Morbius ever again. Because I just don't, there was nothing there in Morbius to make me care about anything that was going on. Even the fight scenes. Like, I, I, I didn't care if, if he won or lost. Like, it was just movement on, no. on the screen. But no, 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 go into your slow motion thing. Exactly. That was, I think, what pissed me off the most about the film. Because when you do that, it shows that you're, you're taking yourself very seriously. But it was just so, like, it's just so stale. It feels like a, a boardroom full of totally misguided, out of touch people trying to make a superhero movie. Yeah, which is hard and like in this plugging day and age. in these elements but failing at all of them. And like, okay, speaking of speaking of another thing, which is which is Robert Downey Jr. plugging in all these lines into the film and making the film great. Yeah, through his through his um just ad libbing. I feel like this movie tried to do that. There's one of the cops specifically irritated the absolute shit out of me in, in lines that I have to believe were ad-libbed because nobody could write this. No, I, I refuse to believe that even a fucking 10 year old could write some something this bad. He walks into the apartment. They're looking for, I don't know, what's her face? The doctor lady. And he grabs the kitty litter box uh-huh shakes it and says here kitty 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 like a cat is going to be summoned by you shaking a litter box what? and then like 1.5 seconds later he makes the brilliant deduction without looking throughout the apartment at all like oh the cat's gone she must be gone with it and i'm sitting there <laughs> with my mouth open and my the the mouth of my brain open <laughs> going like what the fuck <laughs> what are you fucking talking about movie what is the what is this yeah are you human <laughs> it was so weird alex no that guy's a bat too he has echolocation as well <laughs> like 
And then and then like they're they're counting like dead bodies on the street and he's equating it to beers. He's like like he drank the blood of 36 people and so he says, "When was the last time you had 36 beers to his partner?" Which doesn't make sense because blood is food. It's not beer. And then and then he says to his friend, "When was the last time you had any beers?" And I'm, I'm like, what the fuck is happening? What is happening? What are you talking about? <laughs> is this supposed to be like some comment on the fact that his friend doesn't have fun? But the whole, the whole, none of the dialogue makes any fucking sense. It's like it an make AI sense. writing that screenplay, right? Like, it's like a human going to a computer and I being like, I need could not translate it. two adults to have small talk. <laughs> and then the yeah. computer just spits out like, no, I remember that scene that you were talking about. I don't know. I feel <laughs> I feel like if they continue this w- into Venom and Spider-Man and everything. Well, Spider-Man is part of the Marvel universe and those movies are well handled. Venom Venom is crap, but at least it has Tom Hardy and he's his charisma still comes through even if the movie fails. Yeah. On and everything else. It's at least like has something. This has nothing. It's very unfunny too. I want to point out this movie when it tries to That's be. That's what I'm saying. Like, because <laughs> like, it's not, you don't even know a joke is being told. Like the scene you were just describing, right? You're just like. No, it just confuses you. Yeah. It either confuses you or makes you angry. <laughs> he's looking at the screen at one point. He's, he sees Matt Smith and he's like, That's what these bloodsuckers do. They multiply. And you're like, How do you know that? What are you talking about? Why are there only two cops that are like in this whole city going after a fucking vampire outbreak? <laughs> what are you talking about, movie? It's so infuriating. <laughs> so confusing. Uh, so bad. It's so fucking bad. Yeah. It was honestly unbelievable. This can't be a story that anyone wanted to tell, right? <laughs> no. I mean, it's gotten it's turned into a mean meme and it turned into a meme so quickly and it's funny because you don't even have a camp, like a loud camp of people like defending it. It's not like an internet war between one camp defending Morbius and another camp not defending it. It's like yeah. everyone's just like, "Oh no, this all sucks." Like That happened with the DC movies, Zack Snyder's movies, yeah. Oh, it did? Okay. So yeah, yeah. One of my favorite things that I've seen that's come out of this is like a misattributed quote to Martin Scorsese. Okay. That said that he previously declared time. that superhero movies are not cinema, but he's changed his mind after seeing Morbius. Mm. And I'm like, this movie has gotten so fucking bad, and I don't know. Even Leto has gotten into the jokes now. He tweeted a thing where he was yeah, just like... Yeah, he killed the meme. Yeah, the meme is dead now. Exactly. Jared Leto... And that's what I'm Jared saying. Jared Leto thinks it's cool to this jump on the bandwagon. just a cynical cash grab from the beginning. It's so unbelievably bad and such an indicative symbol of the part of the superhero movie culture that we're talking about that we hate that we yeah. had to talk about it because it's it's the perfect like metric you know, like litmus test for the difference and Iron Man as well on the other end of the spectrum. They're like the perfect yeah. litmus test for how super superhero movies can or cannot work. So, yeah, it is, it is joyless. It is soulless. It has, it's generic. It's bafflingly unfunny. It has nothing. So there is like 0% artistry here. Not even the sets are interesting. Apparently it was Oh, right? Let's go back to that really quick. The movie is very, (laughs) very... It's not necessarily ugly. It's just not pretty in any way. The tone color is like the same throughout the whole film. Yeah, the color palette sucks. The sets are just so generic. They're like, we need them to be standing inside of a room. And you're just like, okay. Like, put up some drywall. Like, everything is just so bad and plain. But... Going back to my point, I forgot what I was fucking saying. Damn it. Uh, superhero movies, the juxtaposition, Iron Man, yeah. Morbius. <clears throat> it's the most generic thing ever. Yeah, I feel like I was... Yeah. It's just so like... Oh, okay. One okay. thing that I saw in my research that actually kind of intrigued me was that apparently there have been many times to try and bring this film to screens. And 
1998, there was an idea that they were going to have it join the Blade franchise. And I think that if they had done that, then it could have come off maybe different. It could have been cooler. Please don't do it now. Like, don't bring it back into the new Blade or whatever. But if this movie was Blade 4... And you had you had Wesley Snipes hunting down Jared Leto. Yeah, that could have been, and you had a real filmmaker at the home. That could have been fun. It would have fit into the nice and late '90s, early 2000s, like action kind of Blade like horror movie, right? Like that was cool. That's fine. But now, the way that they did it now is just so boring, unprovoking. <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't move the meter for me at all in any way, dude. It's it's the flattest movie I've seen in quite some time. Easily it elicited of this year. nothing. Yeah. It elicited nothing except moments of confusion over dialogue. Where I was like, what? Yeah. And that's it. Um, who directed this piece of crap? Daniel Espinosa. Daniel Espinosa. Let's see. Known for. Oh, he directed Life. Life is actually okay. It's like a, it's like an Hall. alien. It's like a it's like an alien movie, like the movie Alien. Okay. Kind of kind of thing, but with Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't remember much about it, but it was okay. Yeah, I wonder if this is his fault or not. It kind of feels like it can't be. It's probably the studio's fault. I I don't know. It felt like scenes were missing, just the whole logic of everything. I we could go on. I could go on talking about scenes in this movie, but I don't want to. No one wants to hear it either. You guys know. You guys know Morbius is fucking terrible. Yeah. I think <laughs> if there was one thing I have to say or could possibly say that I maybe liked about it, I didn't think Matt Smith was that bad. He did fine with what he had. Right? Like he he did, it's like uh going back to what's his face in Dungeon Siege, uh Matthew Lillard. Fuck it. Yeah, you just chew the scenery as a comic book villain with no depth. Exactly. And you just do what you can with it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is it is it is absolutely indicative of the things people think of in superhero movies that they don't like. Like I could see people like you who have not not even seen Iron Man thinking that they're all like this, mm-hmm. you know? And that I guess that's sort of the roundabout interesting point about this episode for us. Yeah. Is is illustrating to you, I guess. <laughs> the different sides of the superhero spectrum. Yeah. I will say, too, I feel like Morbius is the first movie for me that's indicated that not all superhero movies are, like, immune from being shitty. You know, like, I had this idea, I, I still kind of have this belief, that you can put something on a movie poster or, like, in a movie trailer or just talk about even casting choices that will generate so much interest that you're going to make close to 400 500 million dollars in the first month right so it's like the movies will always make money but this one did not do as successfully as it probably should have no word of mouth killed it almost immediately but the the hilarious part about it we we touched on this a little bit is that there were so many memes about it online like just covering the internet the internet was plastered with morbius memes that Fox or whoever thought it was a great idea to re-release it in theaters. Yeah. And I think it made like 80 grand. So it flopped fucking twice. It flopped twice. Yeah. They spent all the money to re-release it, not understanding that people are making fun of your movie. They're not going to go watch it. It's the internet. It's Reddit. Exactly. Because Reddit's making fun of something doesn't mean they're going to go watch it if you release it in theaters. Right? Like, Morbin now is a term for pirating And we did film. not pay for this movie. I'm just going to say that. We did not pay to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I morbed it. That's that's you what people it. That's what people will say now. Morbin is like, is what you do when you distribute pirated copies, apparently, of this <laughs> film. And it's like, you played yourself, studio. Like, I, I don't know. I think it was Sony. Yeah, Sony's attempts at superhero movies have been horrible. They had, um, they did the Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man Two, which was so awful that With they Andrew didn't Garfield. even get to, to make a third one. Yeah, Definitely. it just like ended on the second one. Mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man Two is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's Man. definitely up there. It is fucking awful. It is miserable. It's stupid. Um, but I digress. 
<clears throat> they did the Venom movies. Like they just don't they don't know what to do. They don't have a they don't have someone at the helm. They don't have a Kevin Feige. I don't I don't know what their problem is, but I hope Morbius is just the nail in the coffin and they stop trying. Seriously. No more Venom movies, please. I like Tom Hardy, but I'd like to see him in real movies, not this junk. Yeah. Um Yeah. It's 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 a big old superhero world, Alex. <laughs> there are many, many shades of it. Yeah. We're definitely oversaturated. Like I said, I haven't watched any in quite some time until this one. But but it's not all bad. No. And if a, if a dickbag like me who is so, you know, contrary in their interests a lot of the time and all the all the hoity toity shit I talk on this show. <laughs> if I can enjoy Marvel movies, so can you. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean <laughs> Iron Man was a great way to start it, right? It got me excited start about it. Start at the beginning. It. Yeah, I mean superhero movies are here to stay for a little while for sure i it, it'll be interesting to see if they ever have like a a dying out you know um not like a dying out completely just in waves like the interest just maybe isn't as as huge right i think it's not as huge right now just you think I don't so know. i mean that's true i don't actually. know I know that there are a lot of people like me who haven't watched anything since Endgame. It felt like the end, you know? Mm -hmm. Downey's gone, Chris Evans is gone, and you're like, the core of it doesn't feel there. And there's like six movies after that that I have yet to watch. And a lot of them get, are gotten kind of panned, you know? Yeah. Black Widow, uh, yeah. uh, The Eternals. Oh, God. I don't yeah. know anything about Shang-Chi. I guess people loved Spider-Man. It was like the highest grossing movie ever. You know, I think uh, Eternals, or not Eternals, I think that, um, I don't know, I feel like the, uh, sorry, I yes, totally Alex? forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I have a rare blood disease, makes me forget things, sorry. <laughs> I got bit yeah, by a sloth to, um, when I was a kid, so. Mm, that actually makes sense. <laughs> yeah, those pauses. <laughs> Dude, they're, they're, they are my favorite animal. I like their pace. But that um, would be quite a superhero movie, right? Near some like <laughs> the sloth earthy granola doctor who's like <laughs> just down in South America or something. <laughs> it's just like a total hippie gets bit by a sloth or just like clawed by bit one by a radioactive sloth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck. Do you remember in Morbius when like apparently the whole bat thing is supposed to be a gigantic secret and she finds out about it? Yeah, Bancroft. And like by the it way, has this name. giant tank full of bats. Yeah, from and Costa it's supposed Rica. to be a this big secret and he like just, you just open a drawer and there's a bat in there yeah like ready ready to be scienced and then in the background you see like interns just like walking past and it's supposed to be a secret <laughs> uh, it's so fucking dumb it's Dude. so lazy it's so bad and it's funny because like i don't know like they're trying to play up Michael Morbius is this like really pure and like nice dude but it's like dude he's he stole these bats from their like native area he sucks a bad character yeah it's just no 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 qualities one way or the other he just exists i don't know all right let's get out of here we done let's i think do we're done it. we're done talking about morbius we're done talking about iron man we may do more marvel down the line we may not yeah there's really i don't know i don't know if there's much point um but we'll discuss that um, thanks for listening, everybody, to the Real Weirdos podcast. One and a half white men with English degrees talking about movies for way too goddamn long. And next episode, we will be talking about everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah. Which threatens to be a really good time. It does. I'm really excited it does. for that People one. are digging that movie. Oh, I was going to lead off with this, but we can do it at the end here. Rip in peace to Ray Liotta and Philip Baker Hall. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Two people. We have unfortunately not been able to address. Also, I want to throw out another one for Julie Cruz, who uh, was a big-time collaborator with David Lynch, starred in some of the Twin Peaks work um, at the Roadhouse and everything. She would be singing. Really, really cool, like, really dreamy, almost 1950s, like, Americana, but in, like, the 1980s mode and medium of instruments, you know? Not quite synthet like a synthesizer 1950s music, but just check Julie Cruz out. She just passed away a few days ago, and uh, it was it was hard to hear that for some reason. I don't know why, because she was like such an appreciated friend of David Lynch and is so well respected in the film community, even though she's a musician. 
that, I don't know, that one hurt a little bit. But Ray Liotta, of course. Man. Yeah, Ray Liotta. It's funny. And the episode that came out right after he died, we actually made fun of him. We recorded it before he died, <laughs> but we yeah. were talking about his performance in like The Name of the King, I think. Which um, or something. We were talking about something. I don't take back in any way. We weren't speaking elephant. No. He's a no, great guy. No. I mean, he's a legend, right? He's a, he will always be an American cinema icon. Like, seeing him Absolutely. in Goodfellas is just, I don't know. That was the peak, baby, of American movies. That was the peak. <laughs> and Phil Baker Hall, if you don't know who that is, go watch Hard Eight. Seriously. Or Magnolia. Or, or Seinfeld. I guess he was a big character in Seinfeld. Oh, yeah, he uh, was. Char- big character actor. He a lot was. Of, a, lot of, a lot of bit parts, but Hard Eight is his, like, symphony, yep. if I could put it that way. That's his, his big one. But, um, yeah, rip in peace to those guys. Hopefully we don't have to lose anyone else quite so soon. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as with all things, we shall see. Once again, thanks for listening. Real Weirdos Podcast. We hope you're doing okay. Stay weird. Stay good. Get the help you need if you need help. And we'll uh, catch you all in the next one. All right. Signing off for today. Enjoy your apple teenies. <laughs> Uh, at 1230 <laughs> at 1230 <laughs> hey they can listen to this anytime they want yep <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>